Fat Girl podcast, we review outpatient therapy for canine parvovirus, or what we'll call CPV, from now on. CPV infections cause significant morbidity and mortality in young dogs. And unfortunately, most small animal practitioners have observed firsthand the destruction this virus can cause. Dogs diagnosed with CPV can require intensive therapy and prolonged hospitalization, which can make this an expensive disease to treat. Though outpatient treatment protocols for CPV have been investigated previously, many of these studies did not require client compliance, lack standardized protocols, or offer transfer to inpatient treatment settings if needed. Therefore, in this study by Perley and all, entitled Retrospective Evaluation of Outpatient Canine Parvovirus Treatment in a Shelter-Based Low-Cost Urban Clinic, an outpatient treatment protocol for CPV was evaluated, again, in a low-cost urban clinic at which inpatient treatment was not possible and owners shared responsibility for patient care. This was a retrospective study that evaluated dogs presenting to the Pennsylvania Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals Parvovirus Outpatient Clinic. Dogs with lethargy, inapidence, diarrhea, or vomiting that tested positive for CPV on an IDEX SNAP test were included. Patients were recruited over an eight-week period in the summer of 2016. Importantly, the owners of all the patients were advised to bring their dog for treatment at a general veterinary practice or specialty clinic so that only dogs included were those whose owners declined. The authors extracted extensive data from the medical records, including but not limited to signalment, a thorough history, physical examination data, pack cell volume, total solids, blood glucose, clinical status, and complete treatment information. Before we discuss what this outpatient protocol entails, I just wanted to reiterate the Colorado State University treatment protocol for parvovirus enteritis that was previously published by Venn and All. A similar protocol was used that was adapted from the CSU protocol, which included a twice-a-day treatment regimen. The treatments included various combinations of fluid and nutritional support, antibiotics, deworming, antiemetics, antacids, pain management, nursing care, and rescue treatments, all of which were tailored to the individual based on the written protocol. Each patient was categorized as survived, died, euthanized, left for more advanced care, or lost to follow-up. A total of 102 dogs presented for gastrointestinal disease and or exposure to CPV, and 95 of those dogs tested positive for CPV via SNAP test. All 95 dogs received outpatient therapy according to the study protocol. Overall, 83% survived, which is a fairly high survival rate that is similar to previous studies. The authors of the study are clear to point out that numerous factors could account for this success. Perhaps most importantly is a potential selection bias that results from recruiting dogs stable enough for outpatient therapy. Furthermore, veterinary students perform daily treatments and monitoring under the guidance of a veterinarian. Of the remaining 16 dogs that did not survive, 6 died at home, 4 were euthanized for treatment failure, 5 were lost to follow-up, and the remaining dogs sought advanced care. Within this study population, 43% of dogs were pit bull terrier descent, but breed was not associated with survival. 62% of dogs were male and 38% female, with a median age of 4 months. Vaccine history, prior hospitalization, sex, breed, heart or respiratory rate at presentation, PCV and total solids, blood glucose, vomiting diarrhea, mucous membrane color, 
or moisture, capillary refill time, body condition score, mentation, and drinking were all assessed as potential risk factors, yet none of those parameters were significantly associated with survival. However, there was a significant difference in the ages of the two groups. The median age of survivors was 4.5 months, whereas the median age for non-survivors was 2.4 months. Furthermore, dogs that survived had a median duration of clinical signs significantly higher, three days, as compared to those dogs that died one day. Other parameters that were found to be significantly associated with survival were initial body weight, percent change of body weight, percent dehydration, body temperature, and whether the dog was eating. Now, in order for any outpatient protocol to be effective, owner compliance is critical. In this study, two-thirds of owners consistently showed up for all scheduled follow-up appointments. Interestingly, survival was not affected by the proportion of appointments attended or missed. Now, this protocol could arguably be considered fairly intensive, requiring that owners bring their dogs in twice daily for treatments. Nearly half of the dogs received all treatments at the clinic, while some received subcutaneous fluids and medication at home to replace some visits. The proportion of treatments at home was not found to affect survival. On average, subcutaneous fluids were given for 3.8 days. Though the duration of subcutaneous fluids was not significantly associated with survival, dogs requiring a rescue fluid protocol, such as IV fluid therapy, were five and a half times less likely to survive. Neither rescue analgesics nor the need for glycemic support were significantly associated with survival. As you can tell, this study had quite a number of findings regarding what was or was not significantly associated with survival in this population. This can be a bit overwhelming to sort through, so let's try to sum it up. First of all, it can be helpful to get a quick vector refresher on some statistics. Stay tuned, this part is actually important. So, quick refresher on the difference between univariate versus multivariate analysis. In a nutshell, univariate analysis examines a single variable at a time, meaning it does not account for relationships amongst multiple variables. An example of univariate analysis would be asking if body weight or appetite affect survival. These would each be assessed individually without evaluating the relationship between them. Contrast this to multivariate analysis, which does account for numerous independent variables within a single model. For example, you can find that both body weight and appetite affect survival in univariate analysis, but on multivariate analysis, you find that only body weight significantly affects survival. In other words, appetite alone does not affect survival so much as it affects body weight, and the multivariate analysis model is able to identify this relationship. Now, this is just an example, but in the current study, certain variables such as rescue fluids and age were only significant in univariate analysis. Importantly, variables that remained significant on multivariate analysis included duration of clinical signs before presentation, hypothermia on presentation, and percent change in body weight while undergoing treatment. Now, expectedly, hypothermia lowered survival and increases in body weight increased survival. However, an interesting finding was that for each additional day a dog demonstrated clinical signs prior to presentation, there was actually a 3.15 odds increase in survival. We found that to be a bit surprising. The authors speculate this may be due to this selecting for a population of dogs better compensating for disease. They also suggest that perhaps some dogs with longer duration of disease were not included in the study data due to their passing prior to being seen. 
both of these are reasonable thoughts. So what can we take away from this Fat Girl podcast? Well, first of all, CPV is a devastating disease. And sadly, many dogs are euthanized due to the high cost of treatment. While this protocol may not be the best choice for all patients, research on outpatient protocols is an important area in veterinary medicine if it leads to alternative options for patients that are a good candidate for such treatments and whose owners are unable to afford the cost of inpatient therapy. Again, in the study's protocol, an 83% survival rate provides some hope for such patients. While other studies have been performed to assess prognostic factors in CPV, this study showed that hypothermia on presentation negatively affected survival, whereas weight gain and duration of clinical signs were associated with increased survival. Of course, additional studies are warranted at this stage in the research, particularly trials to compare such a protocol to outcomes with inpatient treatment. That said, remember this study if faced with a CPV patient that may benefit from just trying outpatient therapy when inpatient therapy is not a feasible option. More importantly, this disease is almost 100% preventable with vaccine. So please reiterate the importance of series of vaccines to protect a puppy to help prevent this in the first place. 